Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode of the Dairy Edge, researcher Beth Dooley gives tips and advice on how to create an employment contract for employees on dairy farms. And first, Beth gives an insight into her background prior to research, including growing up on a tillage farm in America, studying law and her experience of working with farm succession and discussion groups in other countries. As you can probably hear from the accent, I'm originally from Iowa in the United States. Um, I come from a tillage farm. Um, and uh, by Iowa standards, it's a it's a small farm. It's 320 tillable acres. And um, I so, you know, farming is uh, is definitely part of my my background. But I, I ended up going to um, American law school, um, which we, we do postgraduate. So um, I, I ended up specializing in agricultural and food law and um, took the, the Iowa bar, so I'm certified as an attorney. Um, but I, I really didn't have any interest in private practice. I ended up going um, over to Scotland and um, specializing in global, global environment and climate change law um, because I was really interested in this sort of the intersection of um, environmental um, and, and particularly climate change policy that was coming down the pike, how that impacted farmers on the ground and or potentially would impact farmers on the ground. Um, and, and then from there, I ended up moving to Berlin and I worked in an environmental policy think tank on uh, agricultural and environmental sort of policy, how it again impacted um, producers on the ground um, throughout the, the member states. Um, particularly under the the common agricultural policy. So um, after that, I moved back to the States for uh, about a year and a half and worked uh, on farm succession planning with with different farm families and uh, also did farmer creditor mediations. um, And that would be between agricultural lenders and and farmers. Um, And then I I moved back over to the UK and I, I began a PhD in rural sociology. So basically that was around how people learn from each other, um, particularly in the context of farmer discussion groups and sort of what, you know, what makes those uh, particularly uh, good environments in terms of, of uh, sharing knowledge and uh, sort of, you know, challenging each other around different practices and, and uh, ideas in terms of, of uh, how different farming operations might, might be run. Um, and then I, in January, moved over here and, and joined Chagas. I guess, uh, you know, really, really interesting insight, Beth, into, I guess, what you've done in the past, um, a really unique and diverse skill set to add to the team um, at Chagas Park. And I suppose looking to what you started in January, working on the People in Dairy program um, and I guess tackling the labour challenge that exists within the Irish dairy industry. I guess, you know, starting out, you're here now roughly six months can you give us some insight into your early observations of the dairy industry here in Ireland? Absolutely. So um, I, I would say, um, you know, in with regards to um, some of the challenges that are, are being faced, um, those would be somewhat similar to, to other contexts. But, you know, every every farming context is is unique. 
Um, and so within the Irish context, uh, you know, the, the average farmer is about uh, 54 years old. Um, so particularly they might be at a stage where they're um, moving towards maybe requiring additional help on farm um, or looking to uh, potentially succession to the next generation. Or if there's nobody at the next generation who's looking to uh, to want to go into farming, um, then, or if they're maybe too young, um, they might be considering employing labor um, or exploring the possibility of a joint venture or a collaborative venture. Um, and so this creates huge opportunities, um, but also there are challenges around, uh, you know, having a, a steady stream or the, a, a sufficient availability of the right people who are trained, um, trained young farmers and uh, to a, to a certain standard. So, um, also, um, we're all aware of the expansion within the industry that has, uh, come about due to the removal of milk quotas. Um, so there's been herd expansion, um, and this has been quite considerable in some cases, um, so regardless of how efficient farmers have made uh, their operations on their farm, um, there's always more work that can be done. And uh, um, there's particularly um, during like busy, busy periods, uh, particularly around calving, um, there might be additional need for, for help. Um, so yeah, those are some of the, the issues that have come to the fore. So all of that rings strong, Beth, in terms of what you're saying, all very logical. Interesting when you talk about the average age of farmers being 54, I guess, you know, from a dairy perspective, that is younger than the, the national average if we look across all industries. And of course, you know, we are aware of a lot of young people in dairy farming. So, you know, while the, the age is, is um, ageing in, in, at 54, there, there is a good range, I guess. Um, from what you can see and, and particularly your expertise from dealing with discussion groups in the UK and your brief experience here in Ireland for farms that are employing labour. Can you give us some ideas of best practice that you see to ensure that there is a good relationship between employers and employees and also then that work is done to a high standard on farms? Absolutely. So you'd be looking at things like uh, processes and practices on farm being streamlined and continuously assessed for improvement. Um, so you'd be looking at, you know, trying to get as good a grazing as possible, standard operating procedures around milking routines and rotas, um, building infrastructure and tidy facilities. Um, and this, you know, to promote labor efficiency, but also I, I cannot stress enough the uh, the importance of good communication, absolutely key. So in all all the different countries in farming contexts where I've worked, communication can make or break employment relationships as well as farm family dynamics and succession processes. So this is this will be something that the people in dairy program will be aiming to develop ongoing trainings and resources around, because developing communication skills is an ongoing process. It's not just a personality trait like, oh, I'm a good communicator or I'm not. Or once you've learned it, you never need to upskill or improve. Um, you know, we can all actively reflect and think about how we can better communicate our expectations, check for understanding, ask questions for clarification, and ask for feedback on whether things could be done differently rather than, I don't know, potentially muddle through tasks on assumptions or let unsatisfactory performance fester and turn into potentially a toxic issue when it, you know, didn't didn't need to escalate to, to that level. I think that's an interesting point. Um, you know, good communication. It isn't something that you either have or you haven't. You can learn it. And and your point there, we need to continue to work on that skill. I, I guess, you know, 
every every day is a school day and, you know, an important point that you make there on that. So to really uh, take advantage of your expertise, Beth, um, you know, looking to the HR of farming. So you mentioned there, you know, grass and management, you know, set out, I guess, the structure, the rules for the farm, for the milking process and SOP. You know, these things are quite clear cut on, on farms. You also mentioned that farms are in the situation now due to expansion or due to the age profile of farmers that additional help is becoming more of a thing that is required on farms. So we need staff. Um, You know, if we reflect back um, prior to the removal of milk quotas, a lot of farmers would have done a lot of the work themselves. So they're moving to a space where they now need to employ people, be it on a part time and seasonal basis or full time. So like to get some insight from you, um, it's probably an area that we're weak in um, and that we really need to focus on, I suppose, maybe put ourselves in that uncomfortable position of of exposing our weaknesses and learning. What is important for employers, um, you know, from the employee perspective to ensure that they're doing everything right from a HR perspective? Sure. So um, I guess, you know, well, just coming out of farm safety work uh, week. So there's, you know, definitely a need for a safe workplace where, um, you know, any issues such as breakages to machinery, those are rectified without delay. Um, But also um, that the people carrying out the tasks, whether that be employees or and or employers are not physically and mentally burnt out, um, you know, because exhaustion and distraction can definitely uh, lead to potentially cutting corners. um, And that's maybe where accidents might happen. Um, And, you know, in terms of, of human resource management practices, employees, they really should be paid regularly um, and, and uh, you know, whether that be weekly, fortnightly, or monthly, and that, the, you know, making sure that the employee knows when they will be paid uh, and when the money is coming in. Um, it is, it, you know, it's, it's really only a small thing, but it's important and um, it can be done uh, potentially quite easily uh, through an automated process, um, setting that up with, with your bank. Um, also, you know, from a legal standpoint, uh, there needs to be an employment contract on uh, a written employment employment contract, and uh, you know, employees' hours recorded. There needs to be payslips issued, um, and these are mandatory with the the WRC, and so these are really non negotiable um, as part of employing labor on dairy farm businesses. The the pay thing is an interesting one you mentioned, Beth, because as you say, it can be automated that it's not even a task that a farmer needs to consider. But, you know, I have heard in the past, you know, farm or employees don't know when the paycheck is coming and they know it will come, but they're just not sure when it's going to land in their account. And, you know, that can create a little bit of conflict that the farmer might necessarily be aware of. Um, but, you know, it can lead to problems down the line where there's you know, a, a breakdown of, um, I suppose, employment on, on farms. You know, you mentioned the safety as well. And, and it, it's funny, it comes up in, in a conversation like this because I, I think it's relevant across the board. Um, let's talk about the written contract, Beth. Um, you know, I suppose some farmers are listening in today. They have employees and they don't necessarily have a contract for them. What is the starting point as you see it to create that contract? Yeah, so you know there are um, there are rules <laughs> around what needs to be included, um, and I would just 
I would point people towards an excellent uh, resource on the, the Chagas website. Um, and uh, Ashley Meehan, who is a, uh, a solicitor here in Ireland, um, has put together a PowerPoint presentation um, that really lays out the, the essential employment law requirements uh, that, that need to be met by, by farmers. Um, and there's, there's, again, excellent language in there, uh, sample language in there that could be included within employment contracts. Um, and sort of, you know, it's, it, it, it could give you ideas in terms of how to phrase things. But really, um, you know, some of the, the essential elements of an employment law contract, would that it, it's, it's fairly straightforward in terms of laying out the terms and conditions. So what are the, what are the expectations around uh, the job? And what are the, the roles and responsibilities of both the employer and the employee? You're just trying to, to uh, clarify the relationship here. So, you know, full name and address of both the employer and then the name of the employee. Um, and I, w I will do in a little asterisk here that uh, if you have a, a company, if, you're, if your farm business is a, a incorporated or, or something, that formal name needs to be on the contract. Um, the place of work um, or a statement that uh, the employee will be required to work at various places. Um, there needs to be a job title um, and what the nature of the of the work will entail. Um, so what what is that person going to be expected to do? This doesn't have to be you know 100% um, every single thing that they might do, but you know sort of generally giving a, a, a broad overview of of the different types of work that they would be carrying out. What date the employment commenced? I mean <laughs> that's uh, fairly straightforward in terms of you know having a, a record of when they started. Um, whether or not the contract is temporary or fixed, um, and if it is fixed, then um, uh, then on on which date the contract expires, um, and uh, the rate of pay, whether they would be paid weekly, fortnightly, or monthly. Um, what are the terms and conditions relating to the hours of work? So um, this would also indicate overtime. Um, well, is there paid leave that's included? Um, what if there's incapacity? If they become incapacitated, um, is there anything around pensions or pension schemes if that's applicable? So um, also. And, and this would be pretty standard, again, in employment contracts, not just in, within the farming industry, but what's the period of notice that the employee uh, is entitled to receive um, or that they must give um, if there's going to be a termination of the employment relationship, um, as well as then rest periods and breaks. So those are those are some of the elements. And again, I would definitely refer people to that, that PowerPoint because it's a, a, an incredibly insightful res, uh, resource to get you started. Yeah, and just, I suppose, to reiterate some of that, the full name and address of both the employee and the employer, um, the place of work identified, the job title and nature of work, um, the commencement date, the type of contract, be it temporary or fixed, looking at the rate of pay and terms and conditions around pay, and then that notice period for both the employer and employee. I would say that a lot of people are going to rewind and re-listen to um, your tips there, Beth. But I would say that to me, listening to that and thinking about employer-employee relationships within a farm context, this is providing a lot of, I, I suppose, support and protection for both parties. You know, if there is a, an issue arising that this is something to simply fall back on to clarify exactly where both parties stand. Um, interestingly, uh, Tom Lawton and Marion Beecher would have done a little bit of um, of research and, and further investigation on dairy farms uh, through a survey. Um, could you give us some insight into the findings that they would have seen in that survey? Absolutely. So 
There have been multiple studies uh, that have shown that recruiting and managing people, um, those those are challenges that uh, dairy farmers face both here in Ireland and abroad, um, and that human resource management practices can help make farms more attractive and retain employees. Um, so that survey of over 300 dairy farmers um, was exploring the prevalence of human resource management practices on farms um, that had uh, between one two or three or more employees. So they were sort of divided out into, into those different categories in terms of the, the uh, data that came back. Um, and in, in addition to findings around uh, the increasing amounts of time off uh, for the farmers as they employed more people, um, which has traditionally been a struggle for farmers to get sufficient breaks from work, um, also, the level of legal compliance in terms of formal employment contracts and more diverse kinds of human resource management practices also increased between farms that uh, employed more staff. So to put it another way, if farms are only employing one person, let's say, they might take more of an informal ap approach toward the employment agreement, so uh, not meeting the, the written contract requirement or issuing payslips, collecting employees' details, having a formal job or position description, or recording employees' time. Um, although that last one, uh, there was a slightly higher compliance um, for farms that employed one person with recording employees' time. Um, so, and also, there were significant differences between farms with one to three or more employees in terms of having rosters or regular staff meetings, as well as offering an, an induction and probationary period for new employees. Um, so one of the things that uh, also was identified is that training and opportun uh, opportunities for personal development and career uh, development, according to what each employee's goals are um, and uh, and where they'd like to get to within within their their future um, career. Those have been shown to be massively influential in people feeling invested in their jobs and feeling valued by their employer. So formal CPD trainings, as well as informal events, workshops, learning opportunities, and whatnot are an important and potentially underutilized way that farm teams could improve their relationship and buy-in to the farm's goals and objectives. So some really really interesting stuff there from from that research um beth and i suppose just to to fall back on on a few points there um so we we have gotten into detail about the contract and one of the things that you said is um you know it, it's a non-negotiable from um a work relations perspective but the payslip and what you would see is a lot of people are are doing the payslip through the accountant and the reality is like there's an automated payslip there and it's just to send it out to the to the staff member and that's just something that sprung to mind when you were um when you mentioned that the recording of time is that something that should fall on the employer or the employee as a task that that needs to be done? Where do you see that responsibility lying? Well, from a, a liability standpoint or, or com compliance standpoint, that really would fall with the employer. Um, and if there's an agreement between 
them that the employee would be involved in that process and that they would, you know, keep track of their hours. And then, you know, they'd have some type of, okay, every Friday we, you know, come to put our heads together and and compare hours or you give me what you have recorded or whatnot to to formally put it into some type of recording uh, spreadsheet or or program, Um, then that's something that that could be worked out. But uh, I I, I think really ultimately that would probably fall back on the employer um, as, as a responsibility that they would need to, to take care of. And, and the final point then on that, uh, Beth, you mentioned, you know, personal development and investing in staff members, um, you know, both formally and informally. Um, and that's something that is of in, uh, is of interest to a lot of staff members. And also it's definitely of benefit to farms because I guess Previous research that I would have seen uh, demonstrates that increasing levels of education leads to increased levels of efficiency, uh, performance on farms and and also profit. Uh, Finally, Beth, you were involved in running a competition over the next couple of weeks, um, the hashtag This Is Dairying competition. And a lot of people who are listening in today will reflect on this competition is similar to what was run ahead of the Moorpark Open Day in 2019. So a similar competition and I guess an opportunity for farmers to really showcase what they love about what they're doing day to day. But I mean, let's take the opportunity, Beth, to discuss it. Can you tell us exactly what you're looking for for this competition and maybe how people can enter and what is the ultimate prize at the, the end of the competition? Absolutely. So, yeah, in, in running the This Is Daring uh, competition again, what we're really hoping to do is showcase pride within Irish Daring and and all the great things that uh, that people who work in the industry uh, get to d- get to experience all the time, and and that other people might not might not see if we don't sort of shout about uh, how how great the industry is. So you know some of the the competition entries from 2019 are absolutely gorgeous photos around um, sort of the next generation and, and showcasing uh, you know. Uh, potentially uh their role on the farm right now or you know the that uh they're going to be the the future of the farm moving forward um there were amazing landscape shots you know sort of these these beautiful vistas that people who who get to work um out in nature uh, every day get to see that that uh, other people might take for granted um and so yeah so those those types of photos are, are sort of what we're we're hoping that people will will send through um at some people who who entered the competition last time might remember that oh you know you just need to post it on your social media with the hashtag it's it's a bit different this time because uh you know that we're, we're trying to streamline it through a website uh where you can very easily just uh you know snap a photo upload it into into the website um and and just give a brief description what the the photo showcases about what you love about irish daring um and so that website is www.chagas.ie backslash this is daring and so again you know it's it's very easy just go to that website and uh it will it will sort of streamline the the whole process in terms of of submitting your entry and we're really excited the the prize for the the first place uh um, photo that's going to be chosen is 500 euro actually it's uh it's um in all for one uh vouchers or one for all <laughs> one for all sorry i'm getting used to your voucher scheme here sorry um and then second place would be uh 250 euros uh third place would be 150 euros and then we're actually having seven uh because it would be a top 10 finalists 
um, that those top three will be chosen from. So the the seven additional finalists um, will receive a, um, a 50 euro one for all, all for one. One for all, one for all. <laughs> one for all voucher. That is great, Beth. And as you say, a lot of what you saw in the the last competition back in 2019 was landscape of of dairy farming and and particularly fun and of interest is um, the young recruits, uh, the future future farmers um, that you would have seen. And as you say, showcasing pride in the industry for people who want to enter. Just, I suppose, a reminder, it's the this is dairying on the Chagas website. So I guess, um, Beth, you've spelt out the the address. We'll link that um, to the show notes. But I guess also for, for people like myself, it might be as easy Google uh, Chagas This Is Dairy and it'll bring you straight to the page a simple upload and 500 euro up for grabs for the top prize thank you Beth you're very welcome thanks that's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Beth Dooley for joining me on this week's show don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast you can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify and for more information go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.